Recording in progress. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being a part of our lives. We ask that you allow us to receive your word today, Lord. Please lead me in this discussion, Father God, and allow me to be able to speak about everything that I need to. Allow me to um, deliver the word today exactly the way that you have revealed it to me, Lord, and allow us all to be able to receive it and accept it. God, I just thank you that you allow your Holy Spirit to lead me in this discussion. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding me and, and just allowing me to speak about everything that I need to. God, we just ask that you please allow your will to be done in our life. Not anyone else's will, not our will, but your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your time and blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I do apologize for that long delay. Um, I was having some technical problems. The Wi-Fi isn't working. So I had to connect it to my, um, my mobile hotspot. And so hopefully that will function right. Right. So um, I just pray, God, that you also allow the Internet to work fine so that I can research everything that I need to so that that way anyone that wanted to go back and look at it, they'll be able to go back and look and search as well. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your blood. Amen. Okay. So I just wanted to say that if you all have any comments or any suggestions at all, please do put it here in the Q&A and I'll be sure to respond to you there. And also if you're on the, um, the app, Please just go ahead and put your uh, comments there. Okay, so what I've been discussing um, the last few weeks in uh, reference to laws, life, and health, let's talk about it. We have been talking about uh, women's health. All right, and so let me go ahead and share my screen and get right into the word today. Okay. All right. So while that is loading there, um, yeah, because the internet, I, ooh, let's see. I think we left off here at Echo Cheeks. Okay, um, but before I get into that, right, I wanted to talk about some things that I said, like maybe I maybe a month ago or a month and a half ago. So I had said that I was with a different person um, who I, I seen my ex and, you know, we had talked about a lot of different things. Um, but God is just really leading my heart. And I just don't think that that situation is going to work out for me. I am not focused on the relationship. I am um, completely celibate. And 
right now my life is just focused on God and just doing the things that God wants me to do. So I really don't have time to um, deal with any type of relationship. And plus, um, I just think that when you think about the word of God, right? So the Bible talks about if you are going to burn with us, then you should marry. But if you're not, um, then you should not because the, let, so let's look at this scripture. I want to go to this scripture here. So let's go to, um, I'm going to go to first Corinthians, first Corinthians seven. They have it right here on the English standard version, but I'm going to go to the um, NIV. Let's look at the Amplified Bible. Okay. So first, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, I was hoping to save this for like uh, the submissive wife or girlfriend forever. A girlfriend forever or submissive wife. I wanted to talk about this particular scripture on that podcast. But it's, I think I'm going to talk about it now because this has a lot to do with women's health. And then I would like to go um, and talk about the two um, characters in the Bible. I was still, I still left off at Gideon and I, I do have to talk about Peter. So I haven't forgotten about that. I also um, still have the article Toxic Slinks available. Um, and I do have all of these different types of tissue to purchase. All right. And so um, I do plan on buying each set of tissue and then I'll hopefully I'll do a review on each one. Okay. Um, but in the meantime, let's go to your Bibles to first Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter seven. All right. First Corinthians chapter seven. So it says now as to the matters of which you wrote, it is good which is beneficial advantage uh, for a man, for a man not to touch a woman outside of marriage. Actually, let me look this up at the NIV version because okay, here we go. So first Corinthians chapter seven. So now for the matters you wrote about it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships. I'm sorry, sexual relations with a woman. So what he's saying is it is basically sexual and moral if you're having sex um, outside of marriage. Because this verse has a um, concurrent verse attached to it, which is in verse 2. So you have to understand what this verse is saying. So this verse says, in verse two, uh, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. This is because of sexual immorality, right? So basically what he's saying, so it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. You should not be having sex at all, right? But since there is sexual immorality, that's why you have to continue on reading the verse because of sexual immorality going on in society. 
Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. Okay. Um, it's no doubt about what this scripture is saying. And so each woman with her own husband. So the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. And so I did read this scripture the other day, but I didn't read the part where it talks about the unmarried. And so this is the part that I really wanted to attenuate to because everyone is going through their own situation, right? And so um, in verse eight, we're now going to talk about the unmarried. So verse eight says, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried. See, it is good for them to stay unmarried. So basically he's saying that if you are not married and you are a widow, you should not marry as I do. But if you cannot control, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. See? So if you don't, if you don't have control of yourself, if you are burning with lust, you should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Let's look at the King James Bible and see what that says. Actually, let's see if I could just pull up 1 Corinthians 7 and um 7 and which one is that? 7 and 8. First Corinthians 7, 8. So let me uh, go ahead and move this over here. All right. So you see here, it says, First Corinthians 7 and 8. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. The New Living, that was the NIV version. So the New Living Translation says, so I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried as just as I am. The English Standard Version says, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. The King James Bible says, I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I so the Amplified Bible is saying, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows that as a pr practical matter, it is good that they remain single and entirely devoted to the Lord as I am. So this scripture basically, it tells us 
that when you're single, you can focus on God, right? So we're looking at verse eight. So verse 89. So, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So verse 10 says to the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say this, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is willing to live he is willing to live with her she must not divorce him for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband otherwise your children will be unclean but as it is they are holy so but if if the unbeliever believes let it be so the brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know wife, whether you save your husband or how do you know husband, whether you will save your wife? So what this is saying is when you are unmarried, you can focus on the things that pertain to God and focus on accomplishing the plan, will and purpose that God has stipulated out and your life okay so god is paving the path of righteousness for you and righteousness is what those things that are good those things that are pure those things that are lovely those things that are kind these things are all righteous things right so uh you want to make sure that you're being led by god in a way where you know is it okay for you not to be in a relationship or do you have are you someone that have to be in a relationship so for me, I think that it's important for me just to focus on my relationship with God. And so I'm not interested really too much in a relationship at all because I have goals that I want to accomplish in my walk with Christ. And also I want to be able to do the things that God wants me to do. And that's about it. So um, today I had a very long argument and a debate about relationships and um just about the relationship and that's that's not something that i want It's too many different things that a person will say to you when they're upset they say things that they don't mean they they lie um and so those type of things there is not something that i want to associate myself with i just would like to be focused on my walk with christ and the things that god has planned for me i don't really want to deter from that method right now because right now God has paved the way for me and that's the way that I want to walk. So um, really, it's all about the way that you are building your walk with Christ and how God is influencing your life. How is God inspiring you? How are you feeling? Um, really, because you are the one that has to live your life every single day. So um, make sure that you are prioritizing the things in your life that you need to prioritize, but make sure that you're including God in those decisions and God is being included in your choices. So I wanted to get back to um, looking at 
or was it this one? Okay, so I'm, I'm I want to look at Gideon. So we see Gideon. Um, let's go back to uh, Judges six eleven through eighteen. That's where I'm gonna go. Okay, so here we see, I, I just, um, I left off, actually, I'm just going to read the whole thing over again because that was too many days ago. I think it was about, probably about four or five days ago I was talking about this. Um, so in, if you go to your Bibles to Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 18, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, that it belonged to Joash, um, the Abizrite. Uh, where his son Gideon was threshing, threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So understand that while, you know, the angel of the Lord is talking to Gideon, there is an angel um, that is calling him mighty warrior, right? While he's over there threshing the wheat in the wine press, to sort of um, keep it from the Midianites. So most of his days sound like it's consistent of focusing on the Midianites, right? So he says, pardon me, my Lord. And so while he's saying pardon me, he's like, he's he's saying pardon me to the fact that this, this angel just called him mighty warrior. So this is what Gideon had replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all, all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of, of Midian. So many times you may be feeling like you're filled with despair, hopelessness and um, sadness because you feel like God isn't there. God isn't listening to you. God, God is just ignoring you. You don't hear the voice of the Lord. You know, so um, I'm here to explain to you that when God is silent with you. It's okay. You know, it's not like he's abandoning you. What God is doing when he's silent is he just wants you to be patient at that moment. So God teaches us long suffering. So long suffering is like when you're going to go through an experience, it might be like a real serious problem. And this problem can lead to like excruciating type of emotions and also psychological pain. And so some people, when you say, oh, are you having psychological pain? They're going to say no, because they don't know what psychological pain is, but it's mental stress. You know, it's constant, constant focus on the problem of this negative experience that have impacted you. So that is a form of psychological pain. And so you're experiencing all of these different things. And it's like, ah, okay, so where is God? You know, but God is there where he wants you to understand is that when you go through these type of things that he's not abandoning you, he's going ahead of you. He's preparing a way ahead of you. He's he's going with you on your journey, right? But it's, it's so important for you to be able to stay focused on the prize. You say focus on the things that God has given you. What is it? What is the prize? The prize is the covenant that God has placed with you. So God has placed a covenant with us. And so it's imperative to understand that if God has a promise in my life, that means that God is going to fulfill his promise in my life. So that means that if God started a good work in you, God is destined to keep his word. So it doesn't matter about what people say. It doesn't matter about what they do. Okay. What matters is, is that God has made a covenant 
He's made a promise. He's told you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So you have to trust that God is not leaving you and God is not going to forsake you. And so when you understand that, you're going to know that it doesn't matter like Gideon here. He's focusing on the problem. He says, where are all the, his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? So, you know, like he knows about these wonders. He knows that the ancestors was brought out. His ancestors were brought out of Egypt, but now he's questioning the ability because he's experienced the problem with the Midianites. So he, he was having doubt and unbelief. Basically, he was unsure. He he have a pattern. You There's a pattern of behavior with a lot of these characters in the Bible simply because they have self-doubt. They have maybe self-esteem issues. But God is using those people. Those are the people that God used to speak his word and to also glorify his name. Right? It's because those things have really impacted their lives, like you can clearly see that he had a lot, a lot of self-doubt. And not every single character in the Bible is going to have self-doubt. They just, you know, they may be like Moses, for instance. Moses just, he, he just got unfocused, you know. He had a lack of focus on what he needed to do and what he needed to accomplish. He had doubt in God's ability, you know. And so that there was just too much. Then he had anger problems. So you see that. Um, those are some issues that he was dealing with, but as you can see here, Gideon is just talking about like, okay, well, where is God? He's saying, well, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the land of Midian, given us into the hand of the Midian. Um, so he's focusing on the experience, the negative part of the experience. He isn't focused on the promise. He isn't focused on the covenant. Right. So, yes, the ancestors of the when the Israelites were exiled out of Egypt, his ancestors, yes, they told him these marvelous stories because those stories had taken place. So for him to have this doubt that it's not going to happen with him, you know, is kind of a, a foolish ideology. When God says something out of his mouth, it's going to come to pass. So your experience, the situation, a problem, no matter what it is. Nothing can prevent or stop the plan of God from being fulfilled. Nothing. Now, what can happen is some, you know, your choices and your decisions can deter the plan of God, what God has focused on in your life and what he has proposed to be in your life. You know, people can deter from that because of their free will. But ultimately, that means that you're going to be cleaned up. You're going to be washed up a little bit until you're able to accept the word of God to be planted in your life and watered in your life. And see, the problem is, is that people are not too, you know, um, happy about just accepting certain things, specifically when it entails them to have to change certain things about themselves. So if they don't want to change, of course, they, a lot of people are not going to embrace change. So change is something that can irritate some people, right? So they're, they're not too willing to accept change. They're not too willing to accept, you know, when God is planting a seed or watering a seed in their life. They don't want to accept it. So 
they are going to deter with a choice, their free will that they have that God has given us all. God has given each and every one of us a free will choice, right? And so when all of that takes place, you will have a choice. And in that choice, it is going to determine your outcome. So if you choose not to follow God, you choose not to do what God is saying, there are a lot of different things that can take place. So I wanted to, before I continue on here, I wanted to also uh, go to this other scripture, which is um, uh, in Genesis. Hold on a second. So here's what the Lord had told me. I was I was listening to um, the Bible last night on, on my way to sleep. And I was on Genesis chapter 22. And I wanted to go over that a song. And then I'll go back to Gideon. But this is like a direct correlation, right? So the Lord had revealed this to me. Okay. And so let me let me go over this. So Genesis 22, verse 1 through 19. It talks about the sacrifice of Isaac. Okay. And so, um, Abraham finally, uh, conceives and then he has a, a child with Sarah. His name is Isaac. They have this child. And now God wants Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son that is with his wife, Sarah. Now his other child was through, um, Sarah's, uh, housemaid. And so God said he's still going to bless him, but the real blessing comes from Isaac. And so that was uh, Ishmael. Ishmael is through the housemaid and Isaac is the um, blessing that God has uh, blessed Sarah and Abraham to have. So now let me just read this. Okay. It says uh, Genesis 22, 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. Okay, now listen to this. So, right, let's let's reverse back to this. And I do have a point here, okay? The it correlates with the story of Gideon. All right. Um, so now Abraham, he's like, uh, so God tell him, look, go to Mount Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up in the morning. You see, this is Abraham's response. Immediately obedient. Abraham is immediately obedient, right? And before you jump to conclusions, I know that this story brings about a lot of, you know, um, a lot of concerns that some people are not full, fully able to grasp and understand what this, um, the sacrifice of Isaac really mean. So I'm going to go ahead and explain it. So Abraham, when he rose up early in the morning, 
he saddled he saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Okay, this is now remember what God said: take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. God added that in there. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Okay. Now, looking at this, he said, so, so Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God has, had told him. So on the third day, um, now understand that a burnt offering, a burnt offering is really meant to show that you're letting go of the old. Right, you're letting go of things. Let me let me look up what's um. Let me look in the Strong's Concordance about. Hold on a second. I have so many tabs up. So when you when they have sent our friends, they have burnt our friends. Um, they all are significant. They all mean something really important. Um, hold on a second. I'm just trying to, I have so many different tabs. Okay. I'm going to put this off there. Okay. Um, hold on a second. I'm trying to pull this up through the strong concordance, but it's not coming up. So let's see. Burnt offering. Burnt. In Hebrew. So it's a burn. Okay, so I'm gonna look at that a different time, but I, I do understand that the, the burnt offering is basically um okay, I think I found it here. Okay, so it says the burnt offering is perhaps the best known class of offering is the burnt offering. It is the oldest and commonest sacrifice and represented submissions to God's will. So that is when people submit to God's will. The Hebrew word for burnt offering is ola from the root uh, ayin lamid he, meaning ascension. It is the same root as the word uh, leah, which is used to describe moving to Israel or ascending to the podium to say a blessing over the Torah. So an Ola is completely burnt on the outer altar. No part of it is eaten by anyone because the offering represents complete submission to God's will. The entire offering is given to God. It cannot be used after it is burnt. It expresses a desire to commune with God and expiates uh, sins incidentally in the process. Because how can you commune with God if you are tainted with sins? 
And Ola could be made from cattle, sheep, goats, or even birds, depending on the offerer's name. So we see that a burnt offering is submission to God's will. Um, you're letting go of the, you letting go. That's my interpretation of it. Okay. And so, um, so Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and then he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. You see this? So just pay attention to what he's doing. He's not telling, he's not telling them the young men that he took with him about Isaac being a burnt offering, or he's not even telling Isaac about doing it. He's just completely being in submission to God. And so that's sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to listen to the voice of God. You have to just be obedient to what God is saying. So that when you're obedient to God and, and obedient to his voice, right? It's not about questioning God because see, Abraham was what? Abraham was blameless. He was mature. He understood the process of trusting God. So let me explain this to, to the many of people that do not understand that God cannot do evil. God cannot do evil. God is not influenced by evil. So let me explain this. God never had the intention on Isaac. I'm sorry, on, I, on, on Abraham sacrificing Isaac. God's intention was to always, always make sure that Abraham was in obedience to Christ. So, I mean, Abraham was always in obedience to God. So now when you look at this on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac. And he took in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they went both. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. So you have to imagine that Abraham is probably feeling something, right? But what he's feeling is obedience because that's all you see him doing. He's, he's being each step that he's taking. He is being obedient to God. So when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord came to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Do you hear what he's saying? He didn't say, why am I doing this? Why do you want me to do this? 
Because see, Abraham was mature enough to know that God wasn't going to want him to fully do that. Because God is good. God is love. God is peace. But Abraham, he's so mature, he knows this. So he's, you, you can hear in his actions, I'm going to listen to God all the way. All the way up until God tell me to stop, I'm going to listen to God all the way. So God isn't going to tell you to do something bad. God isn't going to want you to do anything evil. God isn't going to say, oh, I want you to do. God will never, ever do that. Ever, ever. God has never, ever, not one time, ever given me bad advice. God never tells you to cause harm to anybody. If anything, when people are talking bad about you and people are doing bad things to you, God say, look, well, well, I need you to pray for them. Pray good things for them. So what good things do you want to see in their life? Right after they didn't cuss you out. God wants you to pray good stuff for these people. They have cursed you out, called you every name in the book, and God still say, okay, I want you to pray for them. So what good do you want to see happen for them? That's how God works. I'm telling you that from experience, okay? So Abraham knew the same thing that I'm saying to you because Abraham did it in his actions. You could hear his actions by seeing them. And so he was obedient to God. Even when the, the angel of the Lord came from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He's not saying, oh, why are you making me do this? Because God can't do evil. So if you are, if you are evil, he will punish you. That's all, that's all you hear the word of God say. He will punish. Let's look at the word punish. Wait, before I go there, let me finish this up. So in verse 12, it says, he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God. Sin, you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns and abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son so abraham called the name of that place the lord will provide you know what he called it the lord will provide because that's what he told his son in verse what was it in verse eight he said abraham said god will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. This is in verse eight. 
Abraham knew that God didn't want him to sacrifice his son. Because when you are a child of God, you know things. You know things ahead of time. So I'm going to say this again. Because this story is so exciting. All right. It, it teaches you the relationship of God and Abraham. Abraham is mature. He's telling his son in verse seven. Let's look at seven and eight. So we're looking at Genesis 22, verse seven, verse eight. Verse seven says, and Isaac said to his father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Verse eight, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. When you talk about being mature, this is mature at its highest peak. I, I don't know if anybody else noticed this or not. All right. I'm sure that God has given multiple people this revelation. But if he hasn't, there you have it. Verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide for himself a the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Abraham knew God. When you know God, you know God ain't ignoring you. You know God ain't keeping you in that situation. See, I am... Growing in my level of maturity with God. And it feels exciting. Okay. Because let me explain. When God tell you something. When he's silent. He's giving you the opportunity. To make a choice that is pleasing to him. It doesn't mean that God is setting you up. It just means that, okay, God is sitting back, seeing how mature you can be through your obedience. So, yes, you went through a situation. Yes, you went through a divorce. Yes, your friends, your cousin, they all betrayed you. Yes, your people didn't stole money from you. Yes, you lost the worst investment ever. But guess what God wants you to do? Your choice leads to your action. Are you having a mature action? Are you making a mature reaction? See, it isn't about you. 
You have to understand, you think God is tormenting you. You think God, oh, God don't love you. No, God wants you to grow. If he constantly tell you what to do all the time, God say, do this, do that, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And God tell you every single thing. When are you ever going to know on your own? Will you ever choose to love him on your own? You won't. It's like when you like people, you like them. It's like, oh, I like you so much. I just want to be around you every day now, right? But it's like when you love God, are you the same way? Oh, God, I just want to talk to you every day. I want to talk to you all day, God. I want to pray all day to you. Is that the way you act with God? Or are you just sitting back like, oh, I can't believe I'm going through this. God didn't forget. God ain't listening. That's your reaction? When God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you have to take pay attention to the strong people in the word of God. Abraham is willing to sacrifice his son. But he knows that God does not want him to. He says it in verse 8. Abraham said that this is what Abraham says to his son. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Ding, 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 ding. There you go. God don't want you to do nothing bad out here. God don't want you to do, if they hurt you, pray the best for them. That's the heart that God wants you to keep. Pray that God heal them. So they that they won't take another person to that level of pain. See, God lets you go through the experience so that you can pray about it. Pray for the people that they're going to encounter. Pray for them. Every situation that you've experienced was meant for you to experience. It was meant for you to go through it so that you could help another person get out of it. So when are you going to get out of it? Because you bigger, you stronger, you wiser. You have to allow God to just lead you. You get this. You're not going to have it if you keep on sitting around moping and being immature about it. Do you think Abraham Abraham could have been very immature when his, when his son said, my father. His son said, my father. Behold, the fire in the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And so Abraham knew that God is telling him to go up there. But Abraham know his God. When you know God, people can't tell you nothing when it comes to God. They can say, oh, see, girl. That ain't going to work out for you. 
You can't tell me nothing about God. I have literally got on my knees and screamed to the top of my lungs, crying out to God. And God helped me. God did what he, God helped me so much that I owe him everything. I'm in debt to God. I'm debted into God. I owe God for, for giving me peace of mind. God has given me the ability to have any pretty much any type of job I want. And sometimes I do test myself and I applied this job or I applied that job. Like today, I had an interview for a job for IT um, senior analyst of, um, of natural disaster. And that's the job that I wanted to do. I thought it was interesting. I knew that my experience didn't fully correlate with it, but I still applied. So I just want to let you all know, it doesn't matter what the situation may look like. God will give you favor. Just believe. So even though I didn't get considered for that job, I know I planted a seed in the interviewer's life. I know I did. So, you know, it's like, okay, do what you have to do. Let God lead you. God will give you peace. I don't care what situation it may seem like or what it may look like. Like my lights was off. But it was just a technical problem. They fixed it. My lights is back on now. So, you know, it's just all about, it's all about you. And your understanding of who God is in your life. Remember what I said. Your health is largely contributed by your thinking and your mindset. So if you are not maintaining that thorough, consistent relationship with God, you can expect these problems to keep happening. You can expect... Uh, you know, you can expect bad things to happen. So you want to keep God consistent in your life. So Abraham knew from the beginning. He knew from the beginning. I know from the beginning, I know how my God is. My Lord Jesus Christ, he died for me. He died for you. So I know how my God is, okay? You need to understand how God is. If you want to have a better relationship, you have to communicate. Like if you have want to have a good relationship with your spouse, you're going to communicate. So you have to communicate. So in verse eight, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. You look all the way down. You see in verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Understand. Abraham knew that God will provide. 
That's why he called. He went up there. He got up in the morning, got on his donkey, took his two men with him. He knew that God would provide. It's like, I know that God will provide. And so some people be like, I know, I just know you have some money. And I'll be like, no, I don't. <laughs> but like, if something needs to be done, I'll be like, okay, well, I need to schedule an appointment. So we gonna rent a hotel for a whole week right there. And I might not know where the money coming from. But I know one thing, who gonna provide? God will provide. I drove all the way here from uh, Memphis to Chicago by myself. I got extra sleep, but I was tired. I drove nine hours it took me to get here. I, I took a couple stop breaks. I drove in the rain. It was thundering. It was raining so hard. And if it was like, if you you had to drive that far by yourself, you would be like, oh, I wish I would have took somebody with me. I'm tired. But no, 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 no. Guess who provide? God provided. So look, let me explain. Abraham was going to that mountain because he knew that God will provide. He ain't say no other words from the time when God, from, from the time, look, 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 look here in the, in the first verse. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Abraham didn't say anything during this whole time. Besides, get up, get on his donkey, take the two men with him and Isaac. Got the stuff for the burnt and burnt offering in the wood. And then he tell the two men to stay there with the donkey because him and the boy was finna leave. He ain't say nothing else the whole time. He ain't rebuttal. He ain't rebuke God. He ain't take his son and run. He ain't do nothing. Because he knew. In verse 8, when his son asked him, my father, behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. He just knew. So it ain't no questioning whether or not God going to do what he say he going to do. God going to do what he say he going to do, okay? If God going to provide, don't worry about nothing else. Do you think that you got to do something bad in order for you to get it? Absolutely not. Because guess what? God is going to provide.
Abraham knew it. That's why he told his son, God going to provide the lamb. In verse 14, we see that what? Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. He ain't have to say nothing. Because he know God. So let's, let me finish reading it. So, and the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Beersheba. You see that? Now let me go back to Gideon, please. Okay, let me go back to Gideon. All right. So we see here, go back to Judges. Gideon is a different story with Gideon, right? But hold on. So Gideon, this is what Gideon does. So Gideon replied and said, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So because of fear, he, he was getting led by fear. Because he afraid of the, of the Midianites. So in verse 15, Verse 14, it says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So let's go to the next chapter, chapter seven. Because this is what a nitty gritty happens at. Because Gideon is going to do what? Defeat the Midianites. After when you were reading it in chapter 6, he was sitting up there scared. Sitting up there trying to hide the wine press from the Midianites. Over there talking all sad and sorry folks. Well, if God loved us, why God letting us go through this? If God did this, 
Why, why he ain't helping us with these Midianites? And so God said, look, go with the strength that you got. Go with the strength that you have. See, because sometimes you might not feel like you even had the strength to get up and go. But it's like, okay, well, wait, wait. Just because when you go, it, you feeling like, oh, I can't, I can't get through the day. You have all this stuff in your mind, but uh-uh. See, God wants you to do it. Just go. Get up and go. Get up and show up with God. Just know what God said to Gideon. He said, am I not sending you? God is saying, am I not sending you? Get up. Go get you a job. Am I not sending you? I am sending you. Don't focus on nothing else. Take it one step at a time. God said, I am sending you. No matter what you may see, no matter what the situation look like, God say, I am sending you. If you don't get up, you, are, you may not end up meeting the person who God wants you to meet. You may not be able to do the things that God wants you to do because you sitting up there like, oh, you know, the Midianites. You, you so focused on the problem. You like, oh, this problem. The problem is too overwhelming. Quit letting that problem be overwhelming in your life. God didn't create you to be defeated. You better be victorious. Ain't no victim. You go from victim to victor. You in victory. When you having problems, you have to know that you're right on the verge of your breakthrough. You're right on the verge of your breakthrough, baby. You're right on the verge of your breakthrough. You have to be mature. Like Abraham. It might be hard. And it's like, oh, this, this is this, this won't. What can I do? What can I do, God? It the problem didn't kill you. It can't rain forever. It can't flood forever. A tsunami not gonna last forever. A hurricane can't last forever. Or tornado can't last forever. It gotta subside at some point. So just know that what you're going through, you're not staying there. You're just going through it. You're going through it. You're not staying there. God, you think nothing is by coincidence. God don't make it by coincidence. Everything is done on purpose with God. Because God gave you purpose. So when he do things to plant a seed and water seed in your life, he do it on purpose. God did things to me for me to learn things on purpose. So I, my experience is to glorify God. I glorify God in that situation. I'm glad God let me get out of it. See, sometimes you can look and you say, oh, 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 this is, 
I just love you. No, no, no. You need to be making sure. Are you seeking the voice of the Lord? Because what look good on the outside may be internally dead on the inside. And I tell you that from experience. People are in pain. They walking around looking nice, but on the inside, woo, no. If you really knew the things that come out of that person's mouth. So let me explain. You're going through it. You're not staying in it. You wake up and you say, God, I know I went through this situation. Quit giving the devil credit. Oh, the devil working hard. The devil doing this. The devil doing that. Why is you steady glorifying the devil? Who told you to do that? You better watch your words. You better watch your mouth. The devil ain't doing none to me. God got me winning. I cancel every satanic tongue spoken against me in the name of Jesus Christ. I win. So you understand that God, nothing is by coincidence, okay? Everything is done on purpose. So we see here in Judges chapter 7 that Gideon, he goes with the strength that he had like God told him. Because God told him in chapter 6, just go with the strength you have. Now, we don't know what level of strength he had. He probably only had enough strength to, to, to keep on working on the wine press. He don't want to fight the Midianites. He's scared. He was scared. He was scared of the Midianites. That's all he talk about is the Midianites on every single verse. The Midianites this. The Midianites. <laughs> he was a Midianite. He over there hiding and stuff on the Midianites. Well, God don't care about it because he, he letting the Midianites win. That's all he was thinking about was the Midianites. So God used Gideon because even though he was perceived as the least uh, important person in his family, he wasn't. He was very, very powerful in the plan that God had for him. See, a lot of times when we look at people, we disqualify them and God qualifies them. And so I, I had to learn that. I had to learn how to, you know, not look at people a certain way. God has really allowed me to be humble. And I, it's still a process that I'm going through every single day of my life. Because if somebody cuss, curse you out and they want to talk about you and your whole family and then they turn around and say, I need gas. And then you go put gas in their car and then they leave you where you got to walk back. It's like, that's, that. what type of behavior is that? <laughs> Why? Okay, so God does things. God allows things to happen for a reason. Okay, and then, so I was just, went. I went through a lot of stuff today. I was just like, oh God, I am just so happy to be set free from that situation. So all I'm trying to say is, even when people do you bad, it, it, if you still are kind to them, they'll never forget 
the kindness that you do. This is how people will always be affixed and attached to you. Because of your level of kindness. They will always remember your level of kindness. People will remember. They won't even remember your name. This is a saying. They won't, be, they won't remember your name. But they will never forget how you made them feel. So even when you argue. Even when you have a debate. Or even when you disagree with people. And even when they do you wrong. And even when they are constantly doing you wrong. They're always going to find a way back to you. Because of your level of kindness. Even when you're upset. You can't be upset that long. I can't be upset that long. God provides me with too many solutions. For me to be angry. I actually have peace of, from Christ. So I, I anything that doesn't. Anything that disallows me. That I just. I, if it's evil. I don't I don't have no part in it. I don't have no part in it. I am not an unhappy person. I don't want to be bothered with it. I just know. Okay. So let's look at uh, Judges 7. So early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, um, and all his men camped at the spring of Harad. So the camp, the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. The Lord says to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. So even though Gideon had a big army, the Midianites had hundreds of thousands of men. So in verse four, it says, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out from, for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. See, wait, wait. pay attention to this part because this part means something, okay? Now, I know I just keep stopping at like every other verse, but this is how I be reading the word of God. When I'm reading it, God gives me revelation. And it's like, okay, well, wait, this is, this is some serious. This is why God is so fascinating to me, okay? Because it doesn't matter what books I read. It doesn't matter what I've learned in school. It doesn't matter how many years I've been in school. None of that even matters when it comes to how fascinating the word of God is. So, listen, I'm going to read this over. So, Gideon... He took the man down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongue, tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down and drink. So, so the ones who lap, like grab the water and put it in, in their hand like this. And they like, like over, 
like lap over. They not on their knees. So 300 of them drank from the cup tans, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The way you respond to things determines your outcome. Let me explain this. People will always remember when you are kind to them. They do. So, the people that I know that I have a strong relationship with, I don't care if it's a good relationship or if it's a bad relationship, they're going to know that I have been good to them. Now, when it comes to me, like reacting to certain people, I think that God, what God is trying to see, God is speaking to me now, Holy Spirit, thank you. Um, I recently had a debate in school about a particular topic that was, I didn't feel that it was inclusive. So I know that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was a radical, right? But God was very authoritative. So Jesus is authoritative. So the word of God is God's authoritative word. Jesus didn't walk around on earth talking passive. Like, that's not how Jesus spoke. You know, I believe at times he did, but not majority of the time when he was teaching the religious Pharisees or when he was coaching, when he was training people up in righteousness, he was speaking to them. Like in one instance, when, when he was in the death, well, no, when he was about to be uh, betrayed by Judas Iscariot and he told them that they should pray. But they fell asleep really early. You know, like they couldn't even stay woke to pray. So, like, it's the point. The point of the matter is, is that I know that God is still working in my life. And it is difficult for me at times to, like, I don't want to work with certain people. I just, like, it doesn't matter if, like, if we get the job done, that's fine. But like going forward into like, if this is the first person that I would choose to work with, that's absolutely not true. I do not want to work with certain people that don't want to, you know, um, I don't, I don't like working with some people that are not open because you have to be transparent. God was transparent. He spoke to the religious Pharisees, even when. You know, they was plotting to kill him. He still listened to them. He still taught them what they, he told them the things that they needed to hear. He still was trying to plant seeds in their life, trying to water seeds in their life. So whether they accepted it or not, it really just meaningless if they did or they didn't. Because their actions was ultimately very horrific. And so they have a, have, have a different place in hell for them because of their actions. And then, so when Pontius, when Pontius Pilate um, did what he did, that's why Jesus told him that, he, that, that the ones who have delivered him into him, our sins are greater than his. So the Roman Catholic Church, yes, they have sins, but, you know, the uh, religious Pharisees, 
They were, they were a Jew. So the enemy of God was the enemy of the people in his own household. So, you know, that's what the word of God talks about too. Like the enemies, your enemies will be members of your own household. That God came to separate the, the father against the son, the mother against the daughter, the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. That is because maybe the son is evil and the, the mother, the father is good. You know, or maybe the 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 mother-in-law is righteous and the and the daughter-in-law is evil. Just because you love these people don't necessarily mean that they're good. So God came to separate that. You will understand that the person your own enemies will be the members of your household. So you have to like fully understand what that means. It isn't saying that they're going to attack your goals. It just means that when evil is, is, is going on in the world and everyone has a spirit. Everyone has a spirit. What spirit are you being governed by? That's how you breathe. God has given you the breath. That's how you move. You, have, you are influenced by a spirit. So we see here that Gideon's army, the final army out of 22,000 men, the final army was 300. And this was meant to glorify God. Believe me, everything that God does, it is not by coincidence. God does it on purpose. So um, these men who had kneeled down, to drink, they did not in, were they were not included in the army, the final army. So in verse seven, it says, "The Lord says to Gideon, with the three hundred men that lapsed, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home." So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the three hundred who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. So out of 22,000 men, 300 of them was in the army to go against the Midianites. So now the camp of Midian, now, now mind you this, just pay attention. All of these stories can be collaborated. This is how you know that the crucifixion of Jesus took place. Because see, a lot of Muslims, that's why my, well, my ex-husband was Muslim. And a lot of Muslims, so I, I read the Quran. I've already talked about the Quran. I read part of it on here. But this is why a lot of Muslims, they, they just say that Jesus was a prophet because they try to challenge the crucifixion of Jesus. But when you analyze the fact that the crucifixion of Jesus, there is archaeologists that have proof of Jesus rising, resurrecting through his shirt. Then you have other people that were other on Muslim on um in different territories that also collaborate that Jesus was crucified. These are not just people in the Bible either. So you you can't negate or you can't suppress 
the fact that Jesus was crucified. So that's the problem with the Quran is that the Quran was written 600 years after the Holy Bible. And so Muhammad heard an angel when he was in a cave. And those, so the angel tell him that, you know, people was made from a blood clot. So what, when what's really tricked out about this is Muhammad admitted to having sinned. And he, many Muslims compare the, the, the sinful man to a man without sin, which is Jesus. So Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God. God manifested himself in the flesh to show that even though he is God, he does not have to use his power to defend himself. So he showed us that he could do that. But it's also another um, scripture that I want to talk about that they were, they were condemning God in hell. So um, I want, I want to, so let me just finish this. So we see that the Gideon's army um, was comprised of about 300 men out of 22,000, right? And so, you know, your behavior will determine your outcome. So God selected these 300 men who did not kneel on their on knees. So when you look at the fact of this, the men that were kneeling, most likely they, if they kneel on their knees to drink, they'll kneel for their, for their opponent as well. So God saw that the men who would, um, you know, separate their water with a, uh, and use a hand as a cup. Those men were different type of men. So that's why they were selected 300 of them out of the 22,000. Okay. So when we look at, um, in verse, um, seven, it says, the Lord said to Gideon with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions of the trumpets. Hold on one moment, please.
Thank you all so much for holding. Okay, so we see that the 300 men are the final for the army. So in verse 8, it says, Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord says to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, Go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. But the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples have settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand of the seashore. So Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend. Just Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Josh. The Israelite, God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called, uh, called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. So you see, God told him. God told Gideon to go down there and listen. Take your servant and go listen to listen to them. This is God confirming his word. See, when God wants you to do something, he's going to confirm his word. So when he went down there and heard this, he heard the Midianite people, a person telling them a dream. And, and so they, he's speaking about Gideon overpowering the Midianite camp. This is what he had in the dream. So Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation. He bowed down and worshiped. That's the first thing he do. Now, he is listening to God. It just took that confirmation. So a lot of times, see, God will confirm his word. He might send two or three people to say the same thing to you. Two or three people, four or five people to say the same thing to you. You know, like, you should go ahead on and take that job. You know, you should go to that church. You know, ain't nothing out here for you, but the streets. See, God will confirm his word. And he'll create the opportunity for you. So God just confirmed to Gideon when, when him and his servant went down there to listen in on the Midianite camp. And he heard that dream about Gideon overpowering them. That, that fueled him. That gave Gideon... Everything that he needed to go down there and conquer the Midianite camp. 
So he, he gets up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. So um, here we see, uh, let's, let's move down forward a little bit more. So he bowed down and worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three, into three companies. Basically, he divided them into three groups. He placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside of them. So watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, Blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding their right hands, the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. So when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. So Matthew, the Midianites are hundreds of thousands of them. It's only 300. It's only 300 uh, people in Gideon's army. Soldiers in Gideon's army. They go on and blow their trumpets. Then they, they got their torch. They, now the Midianite army is fighting each other. So God gave them confusion. See that? So when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled. They fled to Bathsheba towards Zerira as far as the border of Abel Mahala near Tabith. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messages throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Beth Barah. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Orab and Zeb. They killed Orab at the rock of Orab and Zeb at the wine press of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. You see that? So it doesn't matter about what you think is going on. And you can keep on reading, too. It's, a, it's more interesting things that are going on in, with Gideon, too. And you can read about it in Judges 8 and go keep going. So um, we see that Gideon... Gideon was powerful. So basically with him, he had a defeated attitude at first until God encouraged him and inspired him when, when God said, am I not sending you? So he had to trust God. 
at some point in your life, you do have to trust God. You have to trust that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. If you giving all these people a chance in your life, you listening to all these other people. Why can't you give job? Why can't you give God one chance? Why can't you give God one chance? So the long story short, according to this author, um, I want to go back to this author. Okay. So long story short, God gave Gideon the signs he was. Okay. So if you have a question, please go ahead and put it right here in the Q and A and I'll be sure to respond to you there. Okay. So long story short, Gideon had signs from God to provide him with more power. He had, he received confirmation from the Lord. God allowed him to defeat the Midianite army, uh, hundreds of thousands of people. He defeated them with just 300 men, with, with, with just 300 men. And so that's, that's what happened. So he was able to sustain his people through his obedience for God. So Peter and um let's let's I don't think we have enough time to look at Peter. But so I'll go over Peter tomorrow. But let's go ahead and let me switch and shift focus. So I want you all to notice that when you're going through experiences in your life, you're not going through, you're not staying there, you're just going through it. You're not gonna stay in that situation. Just remember that even when it rains, it storms, it thunder, it's a hurricane, tsunami. No matter what, it cannot last forever. It has to subdue. So that's how you have to look at your problems. It is not lasting forever. This is a temporary situation. Failure is not a permanent condition. Failure is a temporary condition. Failure is opportunity. Failure leads to you trusting in God. Okay? So we see this throughout the whole Bible now. So we, we should all be inspired by this. Okay. So just understand that don't focus on the problem because God has provided you with too many solutions to stay focused on the problem. And your help has everything to do with your thinking and your mindset. Remember that. So if as a man think it, there he is also in act. So your actions, your reactions will be consistent with the way that you think. If you if you keep on having these problems and you keep doing the same thing, but you're expecting something different to happen, nothing different is going to happen. The only thing different that may occur is you may go through the same thing, but similar situations with just different people. So instead of you staying with that abusive man, you're going to go to another abusive relationship because that is what you're accustomed to dealing with. That is your lifestyle. That's what you're consistently enduring and so you switch up and you change it and you say okay look i need god to work something a miracle in my life you need to change your decisions do something different don't keep doing the same thing expecting something different to occur because it won't okay so it, it takes you god has given you choice god has given you free will and if god wanted to make you robotic then that means that you would never voluntarily love him God wants you to love him 
on a voluntary basis. So we serve God because we choose to. We love God because we choose to. These things are done on a voluntary basis, not an involuntary basis. So going back here, we just, I would like for you all to just know that God, he doesn't abandon you. He goes with you and he's always with you. So go here. So I wanted to go back to Eco Cheeks. And I still don't have enough time. So what I'm going to do is, um, I would like to just, tomorrow I'm going to start out hopefully with Eco Cheeks. And, um, cause I really, I really did like the way that they were, uh, describing their products and all of them are very interesting. Like I said, I do plan on, you know, on purchasing all of the different types of tissue. Hopefully I'll be able to go over some soaps and then I'll be able to go over, um, some sanitary napkins and the different, um, pads that you could use that will be um healthier than using like the industry standard type of um pads um so i think i can end a couple minutes early today um i thank you all so much for joining me i do appreciate it thank you for supporting me i see that the podcast is increasing more and more every single day so um you got you guys are really being supportive. I would like for you all to share the blog, share the um podcast. Just remember to share, 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 okay? Um if you have a question, please send me any of your suggestions. If you wanted to suggest a topic, if you had something to critique or contribute to the conversation or the podcast, please send me an email. The email address is laws life health at suddenchangescorporation.org. If you wanted to, you know, um, send me information directly, just please go ahead and send me an email at Deanna Watson at suddenchangescorporation.org. If you wanted to request information on how you can become an author, or if you wanted to um, maybe do some community service um, for court, or if you wanted to become an intern to receive college credit, Please go ahead and send that at info at suddenchangescorporation.org. And always remember the website is suddenchangescorporation.org. And um, let me just go ahead and pray. And, and remember to share, share, share again, okay? Thank you. So let's pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for allowing us to receive your word today god each and every day of our lives you are just transforming us so god we just pray that we do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds god so please god whatever it takes for us to grow into having a better mature relationship with you god please allow us to have maturity in you god we want to we want to understand you more and more and more you are so fascinating guys so we really want your will to be done not ours but yours in the name of jesus christ it is sealed in your atomic blood amen all right thank you all so much for joining me today i really do appreciate it i will see you all tomorrow have a good night